You are now listening to The Unit Report. Listen as we take a deep dive into the world of sports centered around Pittsburgh. Now, your hosts, Lucas and Troy. Welcome to this edition of The Unit Report. I'm Lucas here with Troy. We have a lot to talk about. We are about to kick off the NHL regular season. And as we're doing that, the MLB season is wrapping up. We have playoffs in full swing right now. The wild card series, they just ended. And football, obviously, is going on. We're not going to talk much about football, though. This is going to be a mainly hockey and baseball-centric episode. And we're going to talk about some news real quick that happened out of the NHL. But then we're going to get into our season predictions for all the teams in the NHL. But real quick to get things started, um, since our last episode, Troy, three defensemen that were uh, very prominent during our years of being uh, hockey fans retired on the exact same day. It was the morning of Tuesday, September 20th, where Zdeno Chara retired after 24 seasons in the NHL. He signed a a one-day deal with the Bruins. He's the all-time games played leader for defensemen. The tallest player in NHL history. He won the Norris in 2009 and captained the Bruins to a cup in 2011. Uh, same day, like I said, PK Subban retires after 13 seasons and he was the 2013 Norris trophy winner. And then Keith Yandel retired after 15 seasons. He at the moment is the all time leader in consecutive games played the Ironman streak, but we expect that will be changed at the start of the season after once Phil Kessel gets it, if he doesn't get injured. So Troy, just initial thoughts. What are your thoughts on these three guys? Which one of them do you think is the most significant retirement? Um, Probably it's between Tra and Yandel. Cause I feel like Subban's just sort of falling apart a little bit, but he's the, with what he's doing, it sounds like he has some form of media deal. If I'm wrong, where he's going to become a personality for one of the, uh, broadcast networks. It was ESPN, uh, I believe. Trump. Yeah. yeah, I know he has like some big deal there. So good for him. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I'll probably give the. I'll have to say Yandel's probably the biggest one. What do you think? I was I was gonna say uh, Chara. I think Chara is the one of the most influential players uh, of the generation. He's been playing longer than either of us have been alive. I think he's the last player from the 1990s uh, drafted in the 1990s to be playing still. And also I just think there's so many key memories. I remember from watching him play over the years, especially playing against the penguins. But and if anytime there was a all-star game, he was in the hardest shot co- uh, competition. He won basically every year he competed. Uh, he broke the record for the hardest shot ever recorded in that competition. I remember him in the, um, Eastern Conference Final, where the Bruins swept the Penguins, where the Bruins just beat on the Penguins consistently, and that was an awful series. But he was right at the forefront of that, being a uh, you know huge defensive force, a big physical force. He got into fights. Uh, I think I saw somewhere where he fought the Penguins somewhere around like ten times throughout his career, which is crazy. Um, but yeah, I think Chara is the biggest deal out of all of these guys but Subban is going to stay around the game he like you said he has a uh, deal I think he's producing I think ESPN is producing a show with him actually I don't know if he's going to be like an an in-studio analyst yet but I know he has a show coming pretty soon and then Yandel obviously he has that consecutive streak but 
in, in his prime, he was a good offensive defenseman for the Coyotes or the Rangers, and then the Flo- then Florida there at the end. But his last two, three seasons, he really faltered off. And that's kind of what went into the Flyers scratching him and him losing that consecutive game played streak. But nonetheless, uh, all three of these guys had incredible careers. I think at the very least, you're going to see Chara in the Hockey Hall of Fame. I don't think Yandel will be, and I don't think Subban will be either. Probably not. But I think Chara is definitely a lock for the Hockey Hall of Fame. He had an incredible career and just a crazy unique player, the kind of guy that you'll never, probably never see again in the NHL. He's the one where they made the stick roll for him. Because there was like a maximum length for like hockey sticks. I think he was the one where they had to make the exception. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't know that. That's interesting. I believe it. I mean, six foot nine. I mean, if he had any regular size stick, he'd have to, he'd literally be bending down the entire game, you know? So that makes sense. Uh, but congrats to all three of them in their retirements. Uh, great careers across the board. But enough of that. Let's get into the nitty gritty. My favorite part of the hockey season is being able to try to predict what is going to happen every year. You know, it's, it's a crap shoot, but we try nonetheless. We're going to start with the Atlantic division where I'm going to give my standings up front and then we can debate and I'll give my rationale for uh, why I place teams where, and uh, you could tell me if you agree or disagree, but I'm going to start, start at the top of the Atlantic. I have the Toronto Maple Leafs in first place with Tampa Bay in second Florida Panthers in third, Boston Bruins in fourth, the Ottawa Senators in fifth, the Detroit Red Wings sixth, Buffalo Sabres seventh, and in the bottom, the Montreal Canadiens. Any thoughts, concerns with that, Troy? I just don't see, I mean, as much as as the hype is up in Toronto, obviously we've seen uh, neither team apparently no professional sports team in Toronto evidently can win a playoff series. Uh, we'll get into that one a little bit later, but uh, yeah, I was gonna say these are my regular season predictions. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like I agree with probably the bottom half. I would probably, I think it's probably gonna come down to Florida or Tampa for that number one spot. We've seen how much Florida's kind of had their, uh, how much they've switched up their main guys so if it works i think they'll end up being number one but if not i think the lightning are for the most part the same team that they've been for the past few years and they've been a cup contender every single time as we've seen my rationale for that is that i didn't like the moves that florida made this year i mean this offseason i think that they lost a lot of value in that kachuk trade obviously kachuk's a great player but they lost their mvp candidate in jonathan huberdo and they lost Mackenzie Weaker, who is one of the most underrated defensemen in the league. I think Calgary won that deal in a big way, especially now that Huberto and Weaker have extensions. Um, but I don't think they got adequate value back for the two of them in that deal. I think that they're going to lose some of those points that they had originally from last season. They're the President's Trophy winners last year, but I think that they're going to fall back a little bit because they lost two, probably two of their most important players. And then Tampa underratedly lost two really important players on their team and Andre Palat to free agency to the Devils, and then also Ryan McDonough. I don't think they're as deep as they have been in years past. And I really, I liked the moves that Toronto made this offseason. I don't love the goaltending situation, obviously. I think Matt Murray has the potential to make a 
you know, a comeback, a better, have a better season than he had in the years he had in Ottawa. And Ilya Samsonov is the one B or the backup, whatever. It's it'll be fine. We'll, we still have a lot to see with that. We we don't really know, but I think the moves and the depth that Toronto has, at least in terms of what the regular season brings for that eighty-two game, you know, marathon. I think Toronto is going to, you know, be the most successful regular season team. All that changes in the playoffs. I, I you know, you, you were talking about the playoff series with Toronto and how they haven't won one. I know, but it's two different games, the regular season and the playoffs and Toronto's consistently been an incredible regular season team. And I think just based on their depth and the moves that they made this off season, that they're going to claim that number one spot in the division. Fair enough. And then also um, just a quick note that four seed Boston, I have them getting one of the wild card spots. I, um, I don't know which one yet, but I know that, you know, Three teams are guaranteed playoffs, and then uh, two wild cards throughout the conference. I give one of those wild cards to Boston. Um, Ottawa does not get the extra wild card. The other wild card will go to the Metro, which I'm going to go now. But um, any other comments or concerns about my Atlantic? Nope, I want to hear your Metro one. Here's my Metro one. It's not very different than years past, but I have a couple – I have some rationale for it all. Number one, I have the Carolina Hurricanes – Number two, I have the New York Rangers. Number three, I have the Pittsburgh Penguins. Number four, I have the Washington Capitals getting the second or the other wild card position in the East. Fifth, I have the New York Islanders. Sixth, I have the New Jersey Devils. Seventh, the Columbus Blue Jackets. And in last place in the Metro and in the Eastern Conference, I have the Philadelphia Flyers. Questions, concerns? Uh, not really. I think between the... Penguins and Washington, I think it's going to be a coin flip because that's pretty much what it's been for the past five seasons. They've been within, what, a good two or three games of each other in terms of points for positioning. I think that'll be a coin flip, but other than that, I kind of think you're right on. Carolina's still red hot, and they uh, even added a little bit in the offseason. I, I don't think there's going to be as close of a, a barrier between Pittsburgh and Washington as I do – Washington, the New York Islanders, New Jersey. I don't, I'm not going to throw Columbus in there, but I think the three of those teams are going to be vying for that wild card spot. I think the Islanders are going to be a lot better this year than they were last year because they played the, their first 10 whatever games away. They didn't have their first home game until like mid November. Uh, so that I think they're going to be a better team. Their goaltending, Ilya Sorokin, is so underrated. I think he has the opportunity to be a Vesna candidate this year. And New Jersey, it's also going to be in that conversation. I think that they're going to progress a lot. I know people have been saying that for years. I don't think they're going to be a playoff team, but I think that their young guys are going to develop and grow more. I think Jack Hughes is a legitimate elite first line center in this league. And I think we're going to see him put up, if he can stay healthy, 80, 90, 100 points, you know, somewhere in that elite range. And um, the Columbus and Philly is kind of an easy one. I think Columbus is going to be better than they were last year because with the addition of uh, Gaudreau, uh, but I don't see them being better than any other of those top six teams in the Metro. And Philadelphia is going to be abysmal. I think they're going to be the worst team in the Eastern Conference, probably by far. Montreal may give them a run for their money, um, but they are going hard on the rebuild. They're going to fail uh, miserably to try to get that first overall pick to get Connor Bedard, who's the most highly touted prospect since Connor McDavid. And I expect them to be 
un, you know, unbelievably bad. They do have a tough team. They have a lot of heavy hitters and they're going to fight. So they're going to be, a, I think they're going to play the Penguins really hard and all those Metro teams really difficultly. But I think in the end, they're, they're, they might be a 25-30 win team. That's just my opinion. But They're going to be one of those teams where I think it's going to be, you know you'll beat them on the scoreboard, but it's going to be how many guys do you have left after the game's over. I think that's kind of going to be their mentality because if they can't beat you uh, with putting pucks in the net, they might as well beat you down physically. That's how we've seen it in years past. Uh, they've somehow managed a few times to get close with putting up numbers, but oh, they're going to be one of those teams where uh, I think for really anybody in the division where you kind of have that circled as the, okay, watch out, you know, maybe pull up some AHL guys or some big heavy hitters and give them a run for their money. Definitely. And they're going to keep that broad street bully mentality, even though that they're not going to be a successful team They're They are, they have a lot of guys that are going to, like I said, that are going to put you on your back and they're, they're going to beat the crap out of you. In terms of the top of the division, though, I think Carolina is just a powerhouse. I think that they have all of the right, you know, ingredients to make to be the number one team in this division to possibly come out of the East in the uh, playoffs. I think that they're they have enough experience now where there's no excuse. They need to be able to get past that second round and then eventually third round barrier that they've uh, been playing up against. I think that they have they can totally do that. The Rangers, I think, are going to regress a little bit. I think their top goal scorer, obviously, was Chris Kreider. He had 47 or like 50, somewhere around 50 goals last year. He's going to regress. I think he had, it was just, he got really lucky. He had a crazy high shooting percentage, way more goals than he had in years past. But I still think they're going to be a really good team. Their young guys are going to grow and develop more. And then in terms of the difference, you were talking about how the Pittsburgh Washington barrier. I think it's going to be a little wider than people think because Washington is going to be without Tom Wilson to start the season. And they're also going to be without Backstrom. I think the entire season, if not well into like March, April. So that is a big you know, blow to their offense. It's going to be basically Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, Mantha, those guys, Lars Eller to a lesser extent, those guys pushing the offense, but without Backstrom, that's going to be, it's not a very deep offensive core. Their defense also doesn't look great. John Carlson's the only real like significant name and he's very offensively minded. So I think, like I said, it's going to be a, a kind of a, like a push for that four spot between the Islanders capitals and maybe even the devils. But I think the top three are pretty much locked in Carolina, New York and Pittsburgh. Anything else for that one? Fair enough. Not really. Let's move on to the West. We're in the central now where the reigning Stanley cup champion, Colorado avalanche preside where they will once again, lead the central division there. I have them in first with the Minnesota wild in second Nashville predators in third, the St. Louis blues fourth behind them in fifth, the Dallas stars sixth place, the Winnipeg jets. And then the two worst teams in the NHL, in my opinion, seventh place, Chicago Blackhawks and the eighth place, Arizona Coyotes. Any first impressions there? Um, I mean, I think Colorado, Minnesota is pretty locked. I mean, I don't really see that changing that much. Who did you have in third? Nashville. Nashville. Mm-hmm. How did you have them going up so high and St. Louis dropping? Uh, I am a big believer in UC Saros, their goaltender. I think he's along the lines of 
Ilya Sorokin in the Islanders, I think he's going to be a Vesna candidate this year, or at least has the potential to be. And I really like the addition of Ryan McDonough on that back end. I think they have a really underrated defense. They're going to be blocking shots. They're going to be, you know, like knocking people over. McDonough, Ekholm, um, Yossi. Yossi could have been, won the Norris last year. He was so good. It's just Kale McCarr happened to be, you know, having the best season a defenseman had in 20 years. Um, at Dante Fabro, they have a really good defensive core. They were able to keep Philip Forsberg, which didn't seem like a certainty. It seemed like he was going to walk in free agency, but they're able to lock him up long-term. And then you look at their other forwards. Uh, Matt Duchesne had a career, a career year last year. Ryan Johansson proved that he, you know, can at least play up to that contract that he was signed to $8 million. I think they're sneaky good. I think that they have all the pieces to be competitive. They can score goals. Tanner Janot last year was their uh, rookie scorer who got, I think, over 20 goals. He had the most goals among rookies last year. He's, if they have him, uh, Ily Tolvanen is a, a young player who's finally starting to hit his stride. A sniper, Russian sniper, who's, you know, finally able to get some goals. They have all the pieces, in my opinion, to be competitive. I actually, instead of uh, having them closer to St. Louis, I had them closer to uh, Minnesota and for that second spot. I think Nashville is going to surprise a lot of teams this year. Interesting. See if it happens. And then, yeah, St. Louis, I think they're going to regress a little bit. I'm not a, they lost Vili Huso, who played a good portion of their regular season games in net. And I'm not a big believer in Jordan Bennington. I think I, I, I'm just, I'm not sold on him. I know he won the cup and everything, and they signed him to that big contract afterwards. I think uh, without having a solid 1B behind him, it's going to be tough for St. Louis. Um, and also, with one year left in his contract, Ryan O'Reilly, does he resign? If he doesn't resign, and St. Louis isn't going to be in the playoffs. Are they looking to sell him off at the deadline? That's going to be that, that would fetch them a huge return if they want to get him back or if they want to uh, send him out and get something good back. And um, Dallas, I'm just not a big believer in Dallas. I, they have a great goaltending uh, with Jake Ottinger, and uh, they just re-signed Jason Robertson, their top scorer. I think he's going to be great, but I do think that they're an older team, aging team, and they're not going to be in the – I don't think they're going to be really in – the conversation they're probably going to be hovering around 85 points but i don't see them being a competitor to those top four teams and it is worth noting i do have st louis in one of the wild card positions in the central okay that's what that was my next question do you have both because i believe last year because nashville i believe nashville was the ones that beat the that knocked the knights out um do you have both wild cards staying in the central or just, is it's going to be split just one i've won it's just, just one, so it's going to yep. go split yeah, I all right, interesting. The cutoff there is going to be the St. Louis and uh, gets in, Dallas is out. And then um, my rationale for Winnipeg is that I think that they're in turmoil. It, they stripped Blake Wheeler of the captaincy, which teams don't do unless there is a legitimate you know, problem in the dressing room. I think one of him or Mark Shifley is going to be gone by next draft, I'll say. I don't know if it's going to get done by the deadline, but I think by next draft, uh, one of those guys who's been a leader, a leader on those, that team, they're going to be gone. I think there's going to be a lot of issues with that team. Also, in the offseason, Pierre-Luc Dubois requested a trade out, or at least was trying to get traded to Montreal. That was reported. There's a lot of turmoil in that team. They have a great goaltender, so obviously if he goes on a run, that could shoot them up to the fifth or fourth spot maybe. But I don't believe in them. And then is there an explanation that for Chicago, Arizona, they're awful. They're terrible rosters. 
hey, at least Arizona gets their new stadium for 50 people. So take that for what it's worth. It, it's going to be something. It's, I, I think the fan experience is going to be interesting because there's so few people. It's going to be such a – and it's really expensive too. I don't know if you saw the single-game tickets, but – Yeah, I heard they're ridiculous. I heard they're just pricing them like if you took a normal arena and then just completely cut the upper bowl off and cut the lower like part in half. I heard that's basically how they decided to price it. Well, yeah, they're they're following the supply and demand, and and that you know, which is kind of steep considering no one showed up already. But I I think people are going to show up just because of how you unique and experience is. I don't know if it's going to be all Coyotes fans. I think there's a lot of people that you know live up north, kind of, and then move down to Arizona to retire or whatever. I think those fans, like Bruins, Toronto, you know, those kind of yeah, fans, I, I, yeah, you might be right. I think Arizona is going to end up being an away team haven, in my opinion. I think that. Penguin fans can there's a lot of Pittsburghers that live down there too. So don't be surprised when the Penguins roll in if that's not a uh a sellout in uh you know black and gold jerseys. Nonetheless, so it's gonna be the hockey it's gonna be the hockey version of every Pirates home game. Correct. Where whatever big fan base just travels and you know, whatever. Which I was at uh, Albert Pulhos's second to last regular season game at PNC Park, and the all of left field and the first baseline where the Cardinals dugout was. All Cardinals fans. So, yes, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. The Pirates definitely are one of those teams just because tickets are so cheap, you know. Um, but, yeah. yes, those two teams at the bottom are going to be in the hunt for Connor Bedard in the draft lottery. Chicago is looks like a terrible team this year. Their goaltending sucks. They sold off the Brinkett, Doc, Brandon Hagel last trade deadline. Uh, expect, in my opinion, to see one of Tays or Kane traded. Again, by next draft, I don't know if they can get done by the deadline, but I think that some of the oh wait um, no they're they're pending UFAs, so I guess it would have to be by the by the deadline. If not by the deadline, then I think that they're going to walk in free agency and go somewhere. I don't know somewhere to chase a cup or do something because Chicago is going to be in a rebuild for a very long time. So we're moving on to the Pacific. So this is kind of where I think this gets interest, interesting with the divisions because we talked about the big, I think, a couple podcasts ago where Florida and Calgary Calgary just sort of flip-flopped all-stars, basically, and, you know, some made it out better than others. Do you, A, have Calgary running away with the thing, or do you have them, like, things – kind of working out-ish, but not to the point of where it's a runaway to where you now have Edmonton kind of keeping up with them? Because we saw how Edmonton does historically, where they're so, like, it's basically the first two lines, and other than uh, other than that, it's kind of fair game. So do you have this getting, like, Calgary just running away with the thing, or do you think this is going to be kind of tight? Option A. Uh, I don't know if they're going to run. I, I don't know if they're going to run away with it per se, but I have them in first. I think the it looked like after Goudreau walked that it was going to be a really bad off season for Calgary, and um, they got Huberto and Uyghur both on expiring deals. They've locked them up, and they even added Nazem Kadri. They're able to dump off Sean Monahan's bad contract. They have the best defensive core, in my opinion, in the NHL maybe rivaled by a Colorado, you know, Nashville, I I was talking about a second ago. I think they're like a top five defense, but I think Calgary and Colorado are the two top defensive cores in the league. Calgary 
basically swapped out Johnny Goudreau, one of the best playmaking wingers in the league, for the best playmaking winger in the league with Jonathan Huberdeau. And they were able to add Mackenzie Weger. They are going to be... I think they're going to rival Colorado this year. And they did last year too. But I think things looked really bad after, you know, he, uh, uh, Gaudreau decided to leave. And then Kachuk requested that trade. They're going to be an extremely hard team to play against. They are, they are going to be a tough team. They're going to be a very offensively heavy team. They're, they're at basically every portion of the game. They're very good. They're very, very much like Colorado. They're Colorado doesn't have like the, size that calgary has i think calgary can play any type of way and they're gonna run, i think they're gonna win this division i have them in first fair enough yeah i could see it i think if they can get everything working i think it's gonna be kind of a no questions asked type thing and that's gonna be it i think this was probably the division where it can go if it works it works and it's pretty much set but if it doesn't work i think it's gonna be we could have quite a mashup of teams in second place, I have the aforementioned Edmonton Oilers. Uh, third is the Los Angeles Kings. Fourth place, the wild card spot, I have the Vegas Golden Knights. Fifth They're making pl- it this year. I have them making it. Fifth place, just missing, I have Vancouver, the Vancouver Canucks. Sixth place, improving upon their inaugural season, I have the Seattle Kraken. Seventh place, I have the Anaheim Ducks. And in the last place, along with the rest of those last place teams that will be in the hunt for the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. I have the San Jose Sharks. Uh, any immediate questions, concerns? Not really. That's my, my biggest thing was how are you splitting the wild card spots? But you went split. You have Vegas making it instead of uh, what happened last year, where the Central got both. So that's interesting to see. It was also it also came down to the past two games to decide the wild card spots in the West anyway. So I, I do have concerns with Vegas though. I'm not confident in that decision. Their goaltending doesn't look great because Robin Leonard's gonna be out for the year, I believe. And it, I think Laurent Bras, uh, Laurent Brassois, their backup, is also gonna miss time here to start. So it's gonna be Logan Thompson, who ended last season, who basically just had was forced to become an NHL goaltender really wasn't beforehand and just got forced into the situation. He's going to be the starter for a little bit here. They also acquired Aiden Hill from San Jose. So who's like a competent backup. I don't love that pick, but also there's just so much star power on that team. I understand they lost uh, Max Pacioretty for nothing. They've done a very bad job at managing their cap since they came into the league. I think they are too talented to miss the playoffs again, though. Jack Eichel, Mark Stone, Alex Petrangelo, Sean, I mean, Shea Theodore. They have so much talent where I think they can. Phil. Sure, you could throw him in there. Uh, they have so much talent where they can't miss again. They're going to make it. And I think if they can make it, and then, or maybe in the process, I know they have no cap space, but in some time in between now and the deadline get a competent goaltender maybe Leonard recovers quicker than we thought I think they could truly become a an actual like cup contender in the playoffs but until then with the goaltending that they have now I think they make the playoffs barely I think Vancouver is going to be a really good team this year they're going to progress their young guys are going to get better Hughes is going to have a better comeback year Elias Patterson but I think Vegas is too good to miss the playoffs again I just I can't see it the missing 
Fair enough. In Edmonton, easy one. Come on, McDavid. He's not going to miss the playoffs. L.A., I think, had a really good season last year. I think they're going to keep that up. They have a lot of good young players that are progressing, coming up through the system. I think eventually they're going to need to use some of those prospects to improve on the defense. Right now, um, Dowdy is back there. They got some young guys that are up and coming, Mikey Anderson, uh, Sean Dersey. But I think they're going to need one more solid player back there. I think Jacob Chickering, who is uh, on the outs in Arizona, could be a good uh, acquisition for them, but they need to be willing to trade off some of these prospects in order to do so. And I think that would be the right move for them. Um, Seattle, I think is, I think they made some good moves in the off season. If Philip Grubauer can be not the worst goaltender in the league, like he was last year, if he can be half of the goaltender, he was in Colorado. I think that they can progress. I think that he was just so unremark So yeah, unremarkably bad that they fell off last year, but I think they have a good, okay roster that can get them into sixth place. Anaheim is still young and developing. They're going to be seventh. San Jose has so many flaws. I I don't see them. Maybe you can swap San Jose and, and Anaheim. I wouldn't be surprised, but I think, you know, nonetheless, those two are going to be at the bottom and that's my Pacific. Cool. Um, I'll give you a quick cup winner and you can tell me uh, what you think about it. And MVP, my, Cup winner is the Calgary Flames. For the first time in 20-whatever years, a Canadian team will win the Stanley Cup, I think. And my MVP is Kale McCarr. So you're sticking – okay, so we're sticking with McCarr. I I think it's going to be the first time in a while the fenceman's won the heart. He's too good. Yeah. True. I think he can can eclipse the 100-point mark. I think – the only caveat with okay, fine. So who do you have the cup final being? Calgary, Carolina. Carolina, you think Carolina is gonna finally have enough to get it together? Yes, but I'm not confident in Carolina. But last year when for the bracket, remember we did the bracket that you did so good on, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, my picks were Carolina, Calgary. And I don't remember who I had winning the cup, but those were my those were my finalists. And I think that's going to happen this year. I, if you would have asked me at the beginning of the offseason, there's no way I would have put Calgary in there. But I think that it's such a good story, and they're such a well-constructed team top to bottom. At, at, the very, at the same time, you could easily switch Colorado in there and have them repeating because they're so talented. But they, they did lose some parts. Okay, so fine. So for Western Conference Final, that's what you have then. It's going to be Car- – Calgary, Colorado, and if sure. it's if it's any different, it would be Edmonton, Colorado. That's those are the Fair only enough. options, in my opinion. Um, okay, we're about to run out of time here on this first segment, and we're gonna have to switch over here. We have three minutes left. Um, give me your cup winner, your cup finalist, your MVP. Oh man, MVP! I was gonna go with McCarr. Wow. So you beat me to it there. Okay. Um, final. I don't know if I can throw Calgary at the – I don't know. I want to, but I don't because I feel like they're one of those ones where it's hit or miss again. I feel like if it works, it works. I was throwing Colorado back up there. I think they're going to try to go for the uh, – well, I guess now repeat, which would be interesting given what the Penguins and Lightning did. That would be kind of cool to see them do it too. But 
I think the East was probably the biggest toss-up. Because oh, yeah. I feel like it could come down between Carolina and Tampa. I want to give the Lightning the edge just because they've done it three times. It, whereas we've seen Carolina kind of choke in the playoffs. So if they, I think, I, I think it's kind of a coin flip for the East, to be honest with you. Because I think Carolina is the better team, but Tampa's got the experience. So take it for what it's worth. I think that one can go, it can be a 50 50. I think if Carolina can hold it together, they're going. But I think if Tampa can make it work with what they got, I think they have it. They could also make go back again. I think because I think you're right about the East. I think it, it's a it's a toss-up. I think there's probably five or six teams that could legitimately make it to the cup final, and I wouldn't be shocked. I, I Tampa, Carolina, the Rangers. I'm kind of trying to rank them here. Florida. Toronto and Pitt. I, th- I think even Pittsburgh. I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if Pittsburgh made it to the final. But in the West, we basically there, there's a lot of good teams out there, like playoff wise. But I don't see like Nashville, Minnesota, you know, LA or Vegas or St. Louis. We have it down to two, maybe three. Yeah, I don't see them beating Calgary or Colorado. I don't see it. Edmonton maybe. Because when Dry I was going to say that's who I had. That's who I had on the third. That's who I had as the maybe three. But yeah, because they upgraded in net this year. They got Jack Campbell now instead of Mike Smith. So I think, you know, their biggest weakness has been fixed, at least a little bit. So yeah, I could see that. But it, I think in the East, it's probably five or six teams that can legitimately make the cup. In the West, it's two or three. Um, Fair enough. Yeah, we're going to end it right there, and when that when we come back, we're going to do the baseball MLB playoff predictions and we'll see you there. Welcome back. We are now going to get into the MLB playoff predictions here. The wild card series, like we said, already started and completed before we could record, but that is what it is. San Diego beat the New York Mets. The Philadelphia Phillies beat the St. Louis Cardinals. So they moved on. The Seattle Mariners beat the Toronto Blue Jays. Did not see that coming, so they moved on. That game, that series was insane. It was probably blew it. They blew it. That was I watched like the end of that. What sport are you talking about? Sad. Toronto blew it. What sport? I mean, it really you could go hockey or baseball to be honest with you, but it's pretty unreal. I I was Toronto's got it rough. Yeah, I was following that game on my phone, and I thought Toronto was. I was like, oh. They got this game in the bag. We're going to a game three. Nope. It was like six to one or something, wasn't it? Eight to one. It was eight to one. Eight to one. That's what they blew. I, it was. That's rough. I think it was the largest comeback in MLB playoff history, I believe. Or at least uh, Toronto Blue Jays, Seattle Mariners history, whatever. Nonetheless, yeah. Couldn't believe that happened. And then Cleveland moved on. They beat Tampa Bay. I didn't see that one coming either. I probably should have. But I, uh, I thought Tampa was better than they were. Turns out I was wrong. So these are the series we have now. The Dodgers, Padres, Battle of SoCal. Love that one. Atlanta, Philly, an NL East matchup. Love that one as well. Houston, Seattle, an AL West matchup. Awesome. And then the Yankees and the Guardians. Nothing really significant about that series. Just seems like a good series. So let's go through series by series. And we're going to we're gonna pick our winners here. It doesn't have to be a game amount. Just we're going to pick our winners. Fair. 
Dodgers, Padres, Troy. Who do you got? Um, instinct is telling me to go with the Dodgers. Just because of how they've been for the past, how many years is that now? A hundred, hundred billion. I mean, they're just, they're in the running every single year. And it, it's, they're the team, they're kind of like the Yankees where it's one of those, like you love them or hate them. And they're just always kind of there. I'm going to go out on a limb after seeing that Musgrove performance last night, after getting checked for an illegal substance by having the umpire rub his ears at like the sixth inning to appease Buck Showalter. I'm going, I'm going to go with San Diego because we talked about this last year and everything fell apart as much as, as how good the Dodgers are. I'm going to say this is going to be the the Padres are somehow going to manage to find a way to eliminate the Dodgers. That's probably this is by far the biggest upset slash whatever you want to call it. Oh, it's a hot take. That's what it it's is. It's a very hot take. Scorching. Wow. All right. Well, I was gonna. My knee jerk reaction is just to say Dodgers, regardless. But I mean, they have the pitching. The Padres have the pitching to go up against the Dodgers. Uh, Musgrove was brilliant yesterday. Uh, but I don't know. It's I'm, the hitting. I know. It's the I, hitting that splits the I, two teams up. I think if they had Tatis, it'd be it, like it'd be closer, but I got to give it to the Dodgers. I got to give the edge to the Dodgers. They have the, the experience. Plus, they have all the, they have the World Series winning team like from two years ago, plus Freddie Freeman, who got, I think was second in the uh, league in batting average this year as a first baseman. Correct. So I, I got to give the edge to LA. I mean, every position, you know, there's, I feel like it's going to go that way, but I I'm just going with the Padres purely to get rid of the Dodgers. It, I don't think it would be the craziest thing in the world. If the Padres won, I think they have the pitching to do it. They Manny Machado has been a man on a mission this year. He's probably going to finish top three, top four in MVP voting in the NL, but it's not, it's not the craziest thing I've heard, Uh, but I do have, I have LA moving on. That was my prediction in that series, but wouldn't that be a hoot having San Diego move on, but we'll see. Uh, We'll, we'll find out here soon. The series start up, I believe tomorrow. Is there, I don't think there's any games tonight. Yeah. Nope. It starts, uh, starts on Tuesday. All right. So that's that series where you just shocked the world a little bit. I, I felt a, uh, an earthquake all the way up here. Hey man, my bracket shook the world for the NHL last year. And it turns out I was like 94% accurate or something. Well, let's see about this next series. The NL Bro. East uh, matchup, I, the Atlanta Braves, the Philly, Philly Phillies, the Philadelphia Phillies. What do you got going on there? I want to go with the Braves. But... They're also not the team that they were last year. They're missing their first baseman. Uh, one of their better players is now, I don't know if he's in prison or exactly 100% that thing, but he's not currently playing for the team. Ozuna? Yeah. I thought he came back. I didn't think he came back. 
I thought that's still some ongoing thing. No, yeah, he 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 came back. He he got booed. Did he? But uh, like, but he he's back. He's he's still a brave. Yeah, he's still playing. So in case any kids out there want to go to the MLB and have a DUI on their record, you still can. You can you can be an MLB player and have a DUI. But that's besides the Fair. point. Um, yeah, Azuna's still there. And in terms of the first baseman, yeah, they lost Freeman. They, they got add, it figured out though. They added Matt Olson. You yeah, know, he, he's not Freddie Freeman. I'm gonna, but I'm gonna go with. I'm still gonna go with the Braves on this one. So you guys, I think it's gonna Diego be. Atlanta. I think it's gonna be more competitive whenever it comes to the NLCS. Okay, all right. Well, so then you have a San Diego Atlanta finish in the NL. I have Atlanta. I have Atlanta beating Philadelphia. I don't. I didn't think Philly was even gonna beat St. Louis. So the fact that they made it this far, uh, I don't. I don't see them making it much further. I don't. I think Atlanta is the better team, bar none. The fact that they were able to um, beat the Mets in the final leg of the season there, they had a crazy finish to their regular season and were able to squeak out the division over the Mets. I, I, I think that they're going to they're gonna stay hot and they're going to beat the Philly here and it'll be a final in the NL of the Dodgers and Braves again. That's my prediction for the NL. You have Atlanta, San Diego. We'll get to the NL CS in a second here. Let's do the ALDS. Houston, Seattle, the AL West matchup. What do you got? It hurts, but I'm going to go with the Astros. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it hurts. I think it's going to be closer than a lot of people think. I really under, underestimated Seattle in the wild card series, and I'm not going to do it again. I don't think they're going to beat Houston, but I think that they're going to give Houston a run for their money. Houston's a really I, good team, but I don't see it happening. I think you just have a very high expectation for all Toronto sports teams. Um, maybe, maybe I'm, yeah, maybe I'm more hopeful than other people, or maybe I expect more. I don't know, but yeah, I Fair. the Blue Jays aside, the Blue Jays did have a really good regular season, and I think the trajectory of this team of the team was to make it to the DS CS series, uh, but they couldn't even get out of the wild card. And it, it, it sucks. It just, it's terrible, but oh, well, tough for them. Yeah. Uh, yeah so we both have uh, Houston beating Seattle there. The last division series is the Yankees and the guardians. I think the Yankees are going to win handily. What do you think? I think so. Ironically, I think this is going to be the series where it's going to be a coin flip because it depends what it, what version of the Yankees you're getting. Are we getting the one that was an absolute powerhouse before the all-star break? Or are we going to get the one that the second half of the season where they were arguably competing with the pirates there for a good couple weeks? I think that's kind of, cause I feel like Cleveland is a pretty consistent team. I think if the Yankees can stay with their first half with, uh, their starting rotations, pretty good. It's normally been the relievers that have killed them. Mm-hmm. But we'll feed into that. They they lost a reliever. I'll go over it now, actually. Um, Aradis Chapman missed a workout on Friday. This was last Friday and was since cut from the uh, playoff team. And basically everyone's saying that that's his last game as a Yankee potentially career. So that's kind of big news. It's It's significant. Uh, given I, that they didn't have much to work with to start with. And given that that is Cleveland's strength, at least in my opinion, I think that their pitching, especially their bullpen, uh, 
it could be the difference maker here. So if New York can't, you know, if, if late innings, if Cleveland's going to have guys with sub one ERAs out there and New York is going to have over five, six ERA guys, that could be the difference in this series. Rotation wise, Correct. I, I think New York can hang, but if it, once it gets to seventh, eighth, ninth, if Garrett Cole isn't pitching eight inning games, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. That's what I'm saying. I feel like the Guardians, you can kind of, I feel like they're the more consistent one. I think, I, I really do think this is going to be a, a coin flip. If the Yankees can hit, I think they got it. But the problem's going to be, it's the real game isn't going to start until the sixth, seventh inning. Yep. I agree with that. I think all these games are going to be basically be three or four inning games. I think that's what the real matchup's going to be. I think it'll be neck and neck or whatever up until the fifth or sixth. And I think anything after that's fair game. So it's going to go um, based on the bullpen and who can keep hitting. So coin flip Yankees guardians. Who do you have? Coin flip Yankees. Okay. I'm giving them the hand with the bats, but this is the series where I think this is the I, I said this earlier. This is the one where I think is an actual coin flip. I agree. purely based on what happens with the bull, with the bullpens. Yeah, I could see that. I, I know I said originally I, could, I I have the Yankees winning handily, but I think you've convinced me. I think Cleveland's going to give them the run for their money, but I do think in the end New York's going to move on and they're going to face off against Houston there in the ALCS. That's my. Opinion. I think they'll move on as long as we get the first half. I think if we get the second half. I don't know, man. That's kind of where things get interesting. I'm with you. Well, I'm going to we, – we only disagreed on one of these series. So I'm going to give you my NLCS, and then we can go over yours. Mine is Atlanta, L.A., and I have Atlanta beating the Dodgers. I have Atlanta winning the NL title and moving on to the World Series. You have Atlanta, San Diego. Correct. Where do you, where do you see that ending? I'm going to go with Atlanta is going back. Okay. Does San Diego I put think, up a fight? I, I think they'll put up a fight. I think they're going to be really beat down from that Dodger series because they're going to have to use every weapon that they have to survive and make it past that Dodger series. That I think it's going to be one of those ones where you, you're now counting, you're now looking at the pitches that each like reliever has thrown to figure out can we put them in. I think that's how beat down they're going to be. I think that one's going to get dragged out. Um, and then, yeah, I, I'm going to give the Braves the upper hand on this one. All right. So we both agree the Atlanta Braves will be the NL champions moving to the World Series. On the AL side, we agreed on the matchup, Houston and New York. Who do you see facing off against the Braves in the World Series? The Yankees, I'm going with the Yankees. This is where we if they disagree. Get it to work. That's kind of the kicker, though. To be fair, I don't know, man. I feel like Cleveland and Houston would be a way more entertaining series, personally. Yeah, but I wouldn't get the ratings. I think though. that. I think that would be a bet. Yeah, no, everyone's going to want it to be Astros-Yankees, right? Yes. I think 
like play wise, it would be better to see Cleveland and Houston. I think that would be a closer series and more entertaining to watch because I think they're slightly more similar than the Yankees and the Astros. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I yeah, but this is the matchup we ended up with, you know? We ended up with yep. Houston, New York. Um, I I have Houston moving on. I think that the bullpen was, and I think the overall lack of depth depth is going to hurt the Yankees. And I think Houston's just going to be a wagon. I think they're going to move on to the World Series. I think it's going to be an Atlanta-Houston World Series. You have Atlanta-Yankees World Series. Who do you have left in the title this year? I think what they're going to do is they're going to call the city council people and they're going to have them go into their calendar and just basically copy and paste the parade that they ran this summer and they're going to run one again next summer. I think that's how it's going to go. I also have an Atlanta Braves World Series victory this year. I think they are the most complete team in baseball and they lost their MVP this offseason, like we mentioned, Freddie Freeman, but they still have the most complete roster top I think it didn't hurt them as bad as we thought it would well no because they're able to replace him with a very similar player obviously not to the caliber of Freeman but I was gonna say to be fair I think Olsen's a left-hander left-handed first baseman um who can rake he can hit 30 home runs and he's has he's a good glove at first it's a similar player arguably Freeman still would be in Atlanta but that was a whole another thing we completely talked we talked about before yeah, I, I the whole think, contract thing, and we didn't we didn't even mention that in the ALCS series is that that'll be the battle of Freddie Freeman, the uh, Dodgers. At least mine would be yours. Yours is San Diego. Your mine would not be. Yeah, but mine would be the battle of uh, Freddie Freeman. But nonetheless, we both agree it'll be the. How amazing would that be to watch? That no, that would suck because Freddie's a cool dude. So you know that would suck. But, but imagine but, watching the Braves win in Atlanta, and he's just sitting there. Over there, like crap. Yeah, it, like that's it. That's got to be the worst feeling on the face of this planet. The ratings would go crazy. It would be such. Oh a yeah, no, I know. Crazy series to watch. I think it would be a lot better if it was some guy that everyone hated. You know what I mean? I'm trying to think who everyone hates. Marcelo Zuna. Well, you're not entirely wrong there. Um. I mean, Fernando Tatis isn't the uh, the darling yeah, boy I think, so. I think he's up there. Yeah. He, but, um, he could probably be right there, too. So so that's the playoffs. That's what we got. We both – and we didn't have the exact same path to get there, but we both got the Atlanta Braves winning their second straight World Series championship. Wouldn't be surprised if we're completely wrong here. But at the same time, Atlanta, I do things a wagon. I'm not as confident in my AL – CS prediction of Houston over New York, but I don't think the AL is very strong this year. And I just think Houston's the best team in the AL. So that's how I got to that decision. Um, Fair enough. I think we're done with baseball. Um, Nothing really else. I mean, the Steelers suck. If we're talking about football. I was going to say, do we want to move on to the NFL? The Steelers have finally given up with uh, Mitch Trubetsky and moved on to Pickett. And that still, you know, he made his first start. It, it made people happy for about the second half of the, what was it, game of week three or whatever? Last week, That was yeah. about it. 
Yeah. And then this week they started him in his first start against the Buffalo Bills and got their asses whooped. Uh, 38 to three, I think was the final score. Uh, terrible game. Terrible. The awful. fire Tomlin stuff's happening again. That's all over Twitter. Twitter. Yeah. But they're also going more so uh, um, after the offensive coordinator, Matt Canada. There's a lot of hate. They've been going Matt after Canada him now. since he showed up. That's kind of the thing. Pittsburgh's always had issues with their offensive coordinators. Offensive coordinators, yep. Yeah, Todd Haley before, you know, uh, always have beef with the offensive coordinators. But um, I think Tomlin's safe. But worth noting, at the moment, the Steelers are tied for the worst record in the NFL. They are one and four. Uh, It could get worse. I mean, I, I can't imagine a world where they have like a top five pick in the draft just because we're so, you know, groomed to think that like they're going to be at the worst like an eight and eight you know obviously there's 17 games now so like a nine and eight eight and nine team but there's a strong chance that if they just let this play out if they don't make any changes if they'll let you know canada stay and all that that you know and they let uh Pickett get fed to the wolves here the steelers could be picking third fourth overall in the draft um they're tied with the panthers who fired their head coach today matt roll of uh, the Detroit Lions, which you never want to be in a con- conversation with them, and the Washington Commanders. All three, all four of those teams, including the Steelers, are one and four right now. And if you look at the, the schedule moving forward, they just played the Bills. It does not get any easier for the Steelers. I believe next week they play Tampa. Let me double check that. Yep, they play at home against they're, they're, the, the Buccaneers they're... next Sunday. Interesting. And then the week after, the um, the very good Miami Dolphins, uh, better than last year. Two is still injured, so but if they get two back, I think that's going to be a hard, really tough game. Then the week after that, they play the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles, the best team in the league. So the next Battle three Pennsylvania. weeks, the next three weeks, I think are all guaranteed losses, maybe except Miami. Um, but yeah. And if they lose all those games, they will be one in seven. So okay, hear me out. I'm not supporting the fire Tomlin thing, right? But we've you mentioned earlier where the Steelers have flirted with eight and eight, or you know, plus or minus two, roughly in the win or loss column for the past like I don't know five six years. It seems like. Yes. At what point is enough enough? You know what I mean? Like, at what point do they look and just look back as a whole and see just the slow decline kind of level off, peak a little bit, and then, you know, all of last season was the Roethlisberger goodbye party. Well, not party, but you know what I mean. Um, And now this is it. Like, at what point do you want the fresh start? They're not going to do it. It's just, it's the Steelers. I know they're not going to do it, but I'm just saying, like, at what point do you start considering? Like, do you, is one in seven bad enough to where you know that the odds of you having a winning season are basically impossible at that point? Here's the Steelers' philosophy, and it's for better or for worse, is that they treat head coaches unlike any other team in professional sports treats coaches. They basically see it when they make a choice for head coach. It's basically almost like an owner. It, it's a decision it's their team it, for at least it, like 10 years. It's 
longer. It's a long-term commitment when they make a head coach. There have been three head coaches of the Pittsburgh Steelers since the Super Bowl started. The Super Bowl began. Chuck Noll, Bill Cowher, now Mike Tomlin. So I don't think that there's any situation where they decide that Mike Tomlin's going to leave, especially after this season. I think they want him to be a part of this transition at the very least. They want, he's still very young too. I think they want him to help guide this team from it's, they're going to be, there's going to be low points. This year is going to be really tough. And it also doesn't, we didn't even mention they've been without TJ Watt for every week, except week one. So that's the defensive player of the year. Their best player by far. They've just been without. So I don't think that they're going to blame Tomlin for this. And I think they want him to be a part of this transition. They knew once Ben was retiring and and probably the past few years, since he's been getting older, that, you know, it's going to be, there's going to be a dip here and they're going to need like someone there. So a stable hand at the, you know, at the helm to help guide them out of it. And I think Tomlin's staying. I think he's staying for at least another two, three years, probably more than that, knowing the Steelers. Okay. Well, based off of that, so if we're saying Tomlin's safe, we'll go directly under him. Coordinators. Oh, Canada's gone. Yeah. That's all I was going to say is I, I feel like they – how many of them have we switched out since Tomlin era started? A ton. They, it's, 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 so we, it's so weird because the, the, they treat the coach, the head coach, like you know royalty. And then coordinators, the revolving door. They do not care about – coordinators very much bruce arians was his first was ben's first uh maybe not his first but was ben's offensive coordinator there for a while and he's since had a had a head coaching career and now is retired so the you know it's a revolving door they keep these guys in and out in and out um even the tampa bay offensive coordinator byron leftwich that that's a guy who's a former Steeler. wouldn't be surprised to see if they can try to get him back into pittsburgh as the next offensive coordinator, someone who is more creative than Matt Canada. Matt Canada has done first down run, second down run, third down pass, fourth down punt. That's so many three and outs with Trubisky, Pickett. It doesn't matter. It's not just about the talent on the field. It's the play caller. And it hasn't been NFL quality for the first, what, five weeks we have now so far. That's my opinion. That's my thoughts. I think that Canada, by the end of this year, or at least in the offseason, Matt Canada is gone. I don't know who they're going to be able to get, but they got to get some new face from outside the organization because offense is evolving everywhere else around the league. Look at Kansas City, the Chargers, Tampa Bay. All these teams are really leaning in to like huge, dynamic offensive plays, offensive weapons, and Pittsburgh hasn't been like that since they had like Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. They have weapons now. They just don't utilize them. George Pickens, you barely see Chase Claypool on the field when you watch a game. And he's a talented, dynamic, big receiver. Deontay Johnson, most of the passes have been to the tight end, uh, Friermuth and Johnson. Pickens hasn't seen enough. Claypool hasn't seen enough. Najee Harris hasn't seen enough, except for his runs up the middle for two yards. They need someone calling the plays better. That's my opinion. Fair. That that was kind of my next point is now that Big Ben's gone and kind of all of that pressure for play calling has been dumped on Canada because you don't at least have Roethlisberger's experience and all that stuff is sort of a 
kind of helps weaken the burden, I guess, a little bit with, um, you know, like authority where it's basically now all dumped on Canada and you now have Trubitsky and now Pickett out there. We're basically just doing whatever they're told. Um, I don't know. I feel like that definitely is going to make the, uh, the, I don't want to say urge, but like the impact that my Canada is having even more significant because it's kind of hard to split the blame now where it's like, okay, well, Ben wanted this, blah, 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 blah. Now it's like, okay, do this play. Then they try it and it doesn't work. And then same thing, blah, 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 game loses. I mean, it's almost instead of being able to point it two or three people, you're now just going, you know, why did we do this? I don't know. Ask Canada. And that's pretty much where we're at. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I, um, it's going to be a like tough, that, tough that protection that that Ben brought is now gone. Yeah. Like that second, that like second voice in the room is now gone. And the, the replacements are a rookie and a guy who's been a career backup, except for his time in Chicago that didn't end well. So they, they're not going to trust either of them to be the voice. Yeah, that's what room. I'm saying. Like all of the pressure is now solely dumped on one person. Yeah. And he can't handle it. There are other there are other coordinators in the league that have exclusive, you know, uh, decision-making and they're doing a lot better than the Steelers are right now. So I, I do think there's going to be, need to be a change made. I don't know. I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen mid season. That's not something the Steelers would do. I think they're going to wait till the end of the year. They're going to be bad. They're going to be sub 500 Steeler fans need to just accept that at this point uh, that we're going to have our first losing season and whatever, how long it doesn't matter. Um, and they're probably going to use that top pick to get a really good player and hopefully progress the, um, you know, the rebuild. And that's what that is. Fair enough. Um, anything else? Is anything in the golf world or uh, anything that's got your, got your attention? Uh, nothing that I've seen from the golf world. Everything's just kind of plugging along. Golf season's ending here soon. I got to go to my uh, my buddy's house up north, and we went to uh, Clarion Oaks Golf Course, where I was really bad. Um, I'm just a bad not golfer. Bad. I'm, a, I'm a bad golfer, yeah. I'm just not very good. But I had fun. That's all that matters. That That's all, all that matters. But um, I think that'll do it for us this episode. You got any uh, final thoughts on anything? Uh, Not really. I think that's it. I think uh, basically – the biggest thing now is we have NHL starts tomorrow. Baseball start, or well, the uh, new series all start tomorrow. Yeah, the division series, yeah. So this next podcast that we're looking at probably doing early next week slash over the weekend maybe should be a good one. Yeah. and A lot I, of I, stuff to cover. We didn't have time today to uh, go over it, but I would like to go over the um, – Penguins final decisions for the uh, roster. There were some interesting decisions. They lost um, Redeem Zahorna on waivers and stuff. I'd like to talk more about that, but we're, we just don't have time to today. Zach Aston Reese. Uh, Aston Reese, yeah, got signed off of his PTO, um, got a contract from the Leafs, stuff like that. We'll get more into once the season starts. We'll dive more into the final roster and that stuff. But for this episode, I think this will do it. Um, do you want to take us out? Sure. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Inner Report. 
You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram now at the unit report. Uh, listen to us. We're on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts. Did I say Pandora? I don't think so, but now you did. Pandora? Is that that's all of them, right? Four? Yeah, it sounds right. Okay, that sounds about right. Um, anyway, you can send us your comments, thoughts, insight, whatever you guys think. Um, the Instagram was the newest thing that you started, where we're now posting, uh, I guess, live-ish reactions within a couple hours for the most part of big sports news breaking out. So follow us there. And we'll see you guys next week whenever we'll have the NHL season underway and we'll be at the back end of the baseball uh, division series. So thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see, talk to you guys next week. See you. See ya. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Unit Report. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And follow us on Twitter at The Unit Report. <laughs>